Hey everybody, welcome to Making It. This is episode 80. I'm Bob Claggett here with Jimmy DeResta. Hello everybody, I'm live on location in Atlanta, Georgia. Nice, and David Picciuto. Hello everybody, I'm live in my office. As, I'm, I'm always alive. <laughs> Wait, you're not you're not at the RNC right now. No, no, no. okay, no. different city. <laughs> so, Jimmy, what are you doing in Atlanta? Listen, uh, well, I'm working with Jody from Welding Tips and Tricks, and Jody's good buddy said came up with this idea. There was a creative build in one of his jobs to do a container to take a container and turn it into a cafe, and he said to Jody, he "Goes, do you think Jimmy DeResta would want to come down?" and get involved with this build. And so Jody asked me, I said, sure. And when I showed up, you know, it took a little bit of wrangling some logistics and I ended up here, I got here yesterday morning. I'm going to be here all day today. So two full days hanging out with these guys. And uh, it's funny, at one point, JD is the, the young man who orchestrated this, who doesn't have a big YouTube presence, but he does have a, a, an Instagram, which I'll, I'll tell by the end of the show. And so JD pulled me aside. He goes, I hope you're okay with this. He goes, I only did this so you and Jody become closer friends so that you guys would collaborate more. And uh, <laughs> so he goes, it's a little, awesome. he goes, it's selfish for me. And, you know, the YouTube community, I just want to see you guys get to be better friends. And, you know, that's, I met Jody when we were in Atlanta last time for that woodworking show that me and some of the guys went to. I invited Jody to come down. He goes, I said, believe it or not, this is a woodworking community, but all these guys know who you are because he's all metal and welding. And so when he showed up, a lot of the guys were blown away. They're like, what are you doing here? And so uh, <laughs> he came because I asked him to. And so he got to meet some of the guys in the community uh, that that time that was in April, and so we, we that was just you know we just kind of cemented our friendship a little bit more, and then now these next these last couple of days have been great, you know. Leading up to today, we talked quite a bit, and then yesterday, and then today. So it's it's great for me to be in this environment with. There's a few other guys here too, and you know everybody's total pro welders, fabricators, and so I'm just hanging out. <laughs> awesome. What's the project like? What are what's uh, the actual well, thing? Well, it's um. There's a place down here, maybe, maybe Bob, you know it, because this guy seems local, Brother Moto in Georgia. Have you heard of them? Nope. It's like a makerspace for guys that build motorcycles. So it's like a cafe racer kind of thing. So, cool. And so it's, it's a makerspace where guys can come and wrench on their motorcycles and swap ideas and trade parts and buy apparel and have coffee and maybe some beers. And so it's like a makerspace, but it's motorcycle-centric. And there'll be there's some machines and, you know, you could buy a bench space and so you get a place to kind of put your bike on a lift. And so they, they're just opening up. This is maybe the third or fourth location. And uh, even though the place is still under construction, there's like tons of motorcycle parts in the back. And the guys that own the place have their projects half done in the back already. So cool. It's got garage doors and it's like a little bit of an industrial vibe. And so they have a cafe uh, where they're going to be selling beers and, and coffee. And that's the container. So it's about a 20 foot container. Then we cut a window in it and put a bar top in it. It sounds more complicated than, than it actually ended up becoming. It was very simple because they just wanted a simple design. So we cut the, the hole and then framed it. And I'm letting JD run the show. This is his job. And so I'm just kind of laying back a bit, jumping in where I can. And I'm filming the whole process. This will go up on your YouTube channel? Uh, yeah. Once I put it, it'll be more like a vlog style because I'm not really actually doing anything. But I'm just, uh, you know, I'm soaking in quite a bit of, of information here. Right on. I... I'm working on my cutting board book. It's a, I'm a cutting board factory over here. A couple more weeks of that and we'll be done. And then just earlier today, I put out my pizza peel video. I like the cooking aspect of uh, you know bringing it into the making world. I love that idea. Doing that more often is great. 
Uh, I'm really enjoying, I, I have kind of this new style where I, I have, I've, I've hired a cameraman and he kind of follows me around and I get to just make stuff and he worries about the camera and setting up and all, I just get to have fun. And so, um, and it's nice to have somebody there on the other side of the camera because I'm talking to that person and I'm kind of like teaching, he knows nothing about woodworking. And so I'm kind of like teaching him, which he is, you know, my audience basically. So it's real fun. It has a good, fun vibe to it, and hopefully, we can continue making videos like this. That's great. Was that much of a, a weird transition to all of a sudden have somebody there when you're doing work? The weirdest part is, you know, turning on that that camera personality in front of somebody else because I'm so used to doing that by myself, and there's nobody there <laughs> to judge me except for me. And so, there's been a couple like false starts where I feel just feel weird and, and fake and then um you know once we once we get in, got into the flow of it it was kind of like this is this is fun we're just two buddies hanging out making stuff it, isn't that funny though but you'll release it to hundreds of thousands of people and not even bat an eye about it i know right it's just when somebody's there in the room with you it, it changes things hmm. yeah that's funny i get that vibe every once in a while when i'm about to like talk to the camera a little bit that's why i'm, I'm actually i want to do a tips video and now that i'm down here and i'm i haven't been jumping in physically as much. So I'm going to ask these guys. So I turn this trip into me collecting tips. So between Jody and JD and the other guys here, I'm going to, I told them they all had to do homework, come up with five tips. So I'm going to film each one of them. And so my tips are not necessarily welding like on the bench. My tips are more like put your cable on this hook and don't do this and bend your TIG wire so you can pick it up off the table. So it's more like physical stuff and not necessarily about the science. So I'm asking these guys to give me more science tips. So, cause they're the pros. So it's, uh, it's funny. I've been reluctant to do a tips video or a mailbag video. Cause Dave is not there. Like, I don't want to look and talk to the camera alone while Dave is away in Italy, which usually he's there with me. So I'm going to attempt this week to do my part of this welding tips video without Dave. So, oh. hmm. so it's just the opposite vibe of me, like alone in the shop, talking to the camera. That makes me feel weird. I need somebody there. <laughs> cool well i today put out my uh air hockey table video very cool and yeah thanks awesome thanks it was a lot of fun and the kids are still loving it like it's a lot of the things that i make for them you know they play with it for a few days and then they're it's done uh <laughs> this one they just like can we play air hockey today please 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 and i'm like man i gotta go get the shop back i gotta drag it out here <laughs> so <laughs> So I need to come up with probably a more permanent uh, kind of blower solution for it so I can just let them play with it whenever they want to. You mentioned in the video that you want to do that permanent blower situation. Do you have any ideas on what would be quieter or more convenient? Um, A lot of people have thrown things out in the comments today. A lot of people have said getting really powerful PC fans to put down there. I don't think that would produce enough pressure. You know, I I have an idea. You ever see those fans, the the turbo fans that you see? They're like a cylindrical fan with little fins on the, the, the long side. One of those fans compresses a lot of air. And if you have one of those just plugged into a hole and you just pump in that box full of that, that air, huh. I think that'll be good. You just get one of those. It, they usually, it's either an air conditioner motor or uh, they're usually done in like blower fans. Like right, like a furnace blower. Exactly, yeah. So you yeah. can get one of those, maybe just, you know, you might find one on eBay for a couple of bucks that's not been installed in anything. I, know, I noticed that for eBay, just as like a little uh, uh, an aside tip, I learned this from some of my, my YouTube fans. I'm like, where did you get this like crazy part? And that's where Izzy gets all of his transmission things that he uses. He goes, I, yeah. because I just find them on eBay. 
So you're yeah. looking for an unusual industrial part. Guys on eBay like dissect stuff and you know get into old storage shops and they just put all these pieces up individually. Hmm. Yeah, I might do that. Um, there were some other suggestions about using like air mattress fans, like the blowers in there. A bunch of different, you know, like leaf blowers pulling the motor out of that and getting rid of the whole assembly and just using the motor. I think that would probably still be loud. But there's electric leaf blowers that are not too bad. So, you know, I don't know. There's a bunch of options. I may dig one of those out and try it. I may not. <laughs> we'll see. Is a gas motor out of the question? Yeah, probably out of the question. Uh, another simple solution is just get like a 20-foot hose and just put the vacuum somewhere in another part of the house and just plug the hose in from another room. Yeah. Yeah. If I had built the whole thing, because it's just the tabletop, there's no legs. And if I had built legs on it, I could put a actually a box underneath it, you know, to dampen some of the sound, put the blower, whatever it ended up being in that box. And that would help quite a bit. I mean, we had one of these growing up and I remember it being pretty loud, but it wasn't like shop vac loud. You yeah. know, it was like air conditioner loud. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I may try to come up with something. I may not. I've got lots of other stuff stacked up that I'm ready to, to get to. So, yeah. Uh, Another possibility is to uh, just do like a YouTube search or a Google search for how people quiet down their air compressors, where if you have, uh, it, you can't just have it in a solid box, there has to be airflow, but if you have little channels yeah. and, and pad those channels, uh, it, it could really quiet down the, the noise of the motor. Hmm. Baffles. Yeah, yeah baffles. baffles. It'd probably be good actually to have that to in the shop even if that wasn't used for the air conditioner for the uh, air hockey table, mm -hmm. just to have a box like that to dampen the sound of the shop vac in the shop when I'm using it would be nice because it's loud in there in a small room with concrete floors. You know, it gets pretty crazy pretty quickly. Yep. So, um, yeah. But th so that's that's what I'm been up to, um, and some other really fun stuff for next week. But I'm not going to talk about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> I saw some teasers. I can't wait. Yeah. Some Snapchat people got some previews. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So, um, so Jimmy, tell us about what you were kind of the experience you're doing right now and kind of the thoughts that you were talking before we started recording about yeah. your place in it. It's funny. I came down here and um, we. I, I didn't know what to expect, but I knew I get to hang out with Jody and JD. And I got to know JD through YouTube a little bit. He's on some of Jody's videos. He's the guy with the big beard. And, uh, they met a couple of years ago at Fabtech, which is a welding thing. And then they became friends because they're local to each other. And now they trade jobs and they hang out together. And so they were talking about me and they said, maybe we should get Jimmy in on this job. So I came down here and I jumped in yesterday a little bit, but I realized I'm definitely the, the low man on the totem pole. I have the least amount of experience knowing how to weld. I mean, a couple of times he's like, you want to jump in and weld? I'm like, there's no reason for me to weld when there's other qualified guys here. So I'm just, I'm here. I'm like I said, I'm the low man on the totem pole as far as my welding experience. So I'm just sitting here listening and it's been a great experience for me. Like, you know, some JD's a little worried that he got me here and I'm not doing anything, but it's, it's totally invaluable being in an environment and just being able to just watch and listen from experts. There's so many little tips I picked up that I decided to turn this trip into a little tips thing. It's, I think I just talked about that. And, uh, so I'm, I, I asked everybody to come up with tips, me and, and I have my tips, but the guys that are working here, I, I turned to each one of them. I was like, come, come up with some tips tomorrow when you come in. So after we film this, I'm going to go around and ask them to uh, show me a couple of things. I've already picked up stuff just watching. So like I watched JD do something and then I go get the camera. I go, could you just do that again? 
He goes, what, the stupid thing I just did? I'm like, yeah, that's a tip. That's like something that's so valuable that, you know, someone like me who doesn't have as much experience welding would never think of. But, you know, this, he does it day in and day out, fabricating window frames. And he does a lot of also high-tech plumbing stuff. So there's like certain requirements that have to be met that are, you know, OSHA standards or, or standards. Uh, and another guy here, he welds for, for breweries and distilleries. So he's all stainless steel TIG welding. Mm. There's, I mean, I learned just a little bit about having to like, you got to put gas inside the pipe and outside the pipe so you don't get a discolored stainless steel. You know, all this like high tech stuff, which I never even considered as even, you know, something you needed to do. You can't, you can't weld stainless steel in like a distillery pipe and have it become blackened because then it won't pass standards. So how mm. do you do that? You just flood it with, with argon gas. How do you do that? You got to fill the pipe with argon gas. And weld it from the outside with argon gas coming out of your cup. So hmm. stuff like this, I you know, I, these are all little things I never in a million years would have known. But just hanging out and talking to these guys for the last, you know, fifteen hours, I've I've learned so much. So I mean, I'm just as, as far as the subject for today goes, the idea is just put yourself in a situation where you, you're not necessarily having to help, but you're just able to listen. And you know, I talk about Lou. I don't know. I never know how to say his last name. Lou Swazel, Swazel, Swazil the guy who does the boat tips from a shipwright. Yeah. And he's a perfect example of like, if you've never built a boat or you're never going to build a boat, but you hang around his YouTube channel, you know, it's a virtual way of hanging out with him. And you watch the, the multitude of tips and tricks and things that he does. And you just sit there and watch and you're like, Oh, I could do that. I could add that to this shelf build. I could add that to this, this door I'm making, you know, you don't necessarily have to be building a boat, which of course is what he builds most often. So, I mean, that's a, a way, that, that's just a good example that I could, you know, ask, you know, tell you guys, that's the way you could have the same experience that I'm having today. Yeah. One of the interesting things to hear you say that, though, is that <clears throat> I think everybody would agree that you're typically the person, you specifically, Jimmy, are, are typically the person that is in the other role. And where, you know, like in your shop uh, with David or your intern or anybody that's been in there working with you, you're the one with the history and with the knowledge and the experience yeah. and you're passing those tips on to them. Right. And so it's really interesting and kind of cool just to hear you f in the flip situation where you have people who have a different expertise. You know, it's not yeah. that they're better or worse or whatever or you are or this, but right. you have a certain set of skills. They have a different set of skills. And for you to pick that up is really cool, which actually you know, brings a pretty good point to not only putting yourself in uh, situations where you don't have expertise, but putting yourself in situations where you're surrounded by a skill set that is like totally foreign to you. Right. So like if somebody um, is a programmer and they have no woodworking experience, you know, going out of your comfort zone and getting into a wood shop with people who know what they're doing and just observing, even if you're not trying to do it yourself, we'll have probably the same experience of what you're talking about. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, going somewhere that where you don't fit <laughs> and just trying to pick up the knowledge is huge. A funny thing is uh, Jody, if you watch Jody's videos, he spends a lot of time talking about technical stuff like voltage and amperage and all this stuff and, you know, lathinated tungsten and all these things that a year ago, none of it would have made sense to me at all. And I said to him, one of the things I said to him while we've been hanging out is I go, you know, you know that that like science gibberish you, you, you talk about sometimes because that's, that's slowly becoming more and more clear to me because I'm submerging myself more in the experience of knowing how to do this process. But 
you know, and he always says, you don't need to know all that stuff. He goes, I just say it because there's a lot of technical guys that, that follow me that, that want to know it. But he goes, if you just put on electric and, you know, put the gun to the metal and start getting some experience and some reference, because obviously most people can weld. But the more I hang around and the more I listen and the more these things become more clear to me, it's just more empowering being able to look at a machine. And like, it's so funny, uh, JD pulled out his plasma cutter flipped the switch and did this thing. And I'm like, wait, there's no air connected to this. He goes, Oh, this has a compressor in it. And I looked at the machine. I go, I have the same exact one, but mine doesn't have a compressor in it. I don't think I go, I'm not sure. I don't know if it does. And Hmm. so I had to go back into my videos to see the machine because I couldn't remember what model number I got. It's the Tomahawk plasma cutter. And it turns out I don't have the same model as him, but he just started plasma cutting without an air hose on it. And I was like, you don't have the arrows. How does that work? He goes, oh, this thing just has a compressor in it. So he has a different model. It looks exactly the same. It has one more switch on the front that I didn't. So it turns out I don't have the same machine, but I didn't even know that machine existed. If I had known it, I would have asked him to give me that machine instead. Hmm. It's a Lincoln machine that has a compressor built into it. You could also put it on. There's a fitting, so you could put air on it. The reason I say this, plasma cutters need air. So when you pull the trigger, you need to have a compressor connected to it. So not only does it, it send out an electric pulse, which cuts the metal, the air blows away the melted metal. So when you pull a trigger on a plasma cutter, you're blowing away melted metal. Hmm. And so to cut the window out of the, the container yesterday, he started with a plasma cutter with no air connected to it. And that's why I was like, so just that little, I, I said, I go, that pays for the whole trip. Me knowing now I can buy a plasma cutter with a compressor built into it. I had no idea that even existed. And he's like, oh yeah, nope. And then, you know, so he's, and he like spat off a bunch of model numbers, which kind of immediately went over my head, but, <laughs> I went back to the website and I was able to look and say like, oh yeah, Lincoln offers this and this. I had no idea. Hmm. That's pretty awesome. I mean, it's kind of the same way, like just, you know, watching your videos with, cause you have a totally different set of tools, like your Beaumont grinder. Yeah. Right. That is a, a thing that I never w- realized until we've talked about it. Um, that, that was a specialized type of grinder sander thingy mm-hmm. for, you know, for knives. <laughs> what I don't know what you technically call it. Is it it's a grinder, yeah, it's, right? It's, Not a sander. it's called a belt grinder, but yeah. Belt at the grinder. end of the day okay, it's yeah. a sander, it's a grinder, a, you know. But that's a specific tool made for a specific thing. And I just assumed, you know, at a distance that you were just using a you know, a thin belt sander, mm-hmm. which is what you would typically see in a in a tool store here. Yeah. Um and so, it, you know, just something like that, being exposed to somebody else's shop and the specialty tools that they have, yeah, you're going to get a totally different understanding of what's available and how you would use it and why you need it or don't need it. Right. <laughs> In yeah. most cases, I've looked at those several times since I realized what you had. <laughs> and I keep looking at the price going, no, nope, uh, I, wait no, a little bit. I don't need it. <laughs> I don't need it. But, you know, that being said, uh, if you buy either, I, I can't even, I don't even know any brands. I know that there's probably some used deltas out there, like a one buy. The belt, mm-hmm. the belt might be, say, 25 inches or 30 inches, and it's a one-by belt. Those are totally passable for the same exact process. If you buy a belt that just has a grit, like Cubetron grit that is like kind of designed for metal, not necessarily. You could use any of those one-by belt sanders to, to do the same thing I'm doing. I just like this because mm. it's just bigger and more powerful. And when you think if you have a 72-inch belt, there's that much more grinding happening in the same amount of time as if you have like a a 30 inch long belt. And then, so your belts will wear out quicker. If they're smaller, they'll wear out. They'll last longer if they're longer. And, right. and then, you know, it has obviously a bigger motor on it because you pay more. But at the end of the day, 
I mean, I see guys making beautiful knives with hand files, you know, so it's all a matter of your own personal determination. Yeah. You know? Now on that, this may be in the weeds, but on that specific one that you have mm-hmm. on that grinder, there's, is, and this is a question, I guess, <clears throat> is there different points where there's like a rigid back to some parts of it? There's no rigid back. So you get different types of grinding based on where you're using it. Abs- is that correct? Absolutely. The belt has, okay. it has like three different diameter wheels. And it has a, a plate, so you have like a twelve-inch plate to work against. It has a, a plate uh, that, like a, a plate you could work on. When I say a plate against, it's behind the belt for about twelve mm-hmm. inches, and then perpendicular to that, you could have the plate in place or take it out, so you have that whole surface. And you could use the the curved wheels to, if you're going to do an inside a grind or an inside sand. And then you have like the looseness between the belts, between the pulleys that you could push on, and you have a soft area with nothing behind it. And then, and then what I do from time to time is I put a wealth of leather behind the plate so that when I push into it, I'm not pushing directly against the steel. I'm pushing against leather. And that gives you a different result. Hmm. So, yeah, so it's, just, it's more versatile. And then they make this whole arm. This is why people like the Beaumont. And there are other pe- people have copied it and just made it out of wood with roller skate wheels. So, you know, it all depends on your determination. And uh, you could pull out this whole plate. And instead of having the backing plate, now you have a big 10-inch wheel. So you can do a big, like, a hollow grind on a knife, for instance. So the 10-inch wheel, you just imagine like, you know, one inch of that 10-inch diameter wheel, and you end up with that hollow grind on the inside of like a Bowie knife or whatever you're making. Oh, right. Huh. I think uh, the guy from Make It Extreme made one of those, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, that that's right. He did it with the, with the skateboard wheels and stuff. Yeah. I think his skateboard wheels light up. Is that the one? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that would be extreme, that's right? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I love that channel. I've, I've watched, started watching that more and more. It's crazy. really, really good. Yeah. I mean, going back to working with other people, what with what I do, it's really easy to get caught up in my little box and not work with other people, not 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 have that that physical activity. I remember when I worked at the agency in the office when I first started there, I wasn't that good of a graphic designer, but I worked with amazing graphic designers and over the years i picked up a lot of a lot of tips from them which made me better and it reminds me of the phrase you are the sum of your surroundings so if you if you you know i've said before if you're a dumb person hang around smart people and you'll just naturally become smarter i had this there's going to be so many things i'm not even aware of that i've soaked in just hanging around yeah i had a great uh moment just yesterday in my shop we're working on uh, one of the cutting boards for for the book, and Eric, my assistant, was helping me with the photography with it. And this particular cutting board has storage for knives in it. And I got some ideas online, and I was like really, really trying to use a storage solution that wasn't what I saw online. And I I came up with something. And I was like, oh, this works. So we're kind of designing on the fly. And Eric, complete outsider, who has no knowledge of woodworking just says, well, what if you raised it up like this? And it was like that, what? That changes everything. <laughs> this is different than, I mean, just, just moving something a half inch changed the whole complexity of, of the cutting board and made it original. And it is now our design or in the, in the book, it'll be my design, but, uh, but right. I, I can, I can <laughs> credit Eric for that, for that great idea. You could name it the Eric. That's, that way he gets some credit for it. That's, that's what we'll do. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, I have a question kind of around this whole thing um you know jimmy you're in a place right now where you have some knowledge but you you're the outsider i think mm-hmm. is what we've established so this is kind of for all three of us <clears throat> but david i'll hit it to you first 
What's a place that you don't fit skill wise or knowledge wise that you would like to fit? Like, you know, what's, where's a place like Jimmy is right now that you would like to be to absorb and observe knowledge? Uh, uh, I, <laughs> I mean, any kind of like metal working fabrication like i just don't fit in and i want to and i've bought some equipment uh but i don't know it's a it's that that fear factor of just just getting started um i mean i mean there's a lot of places i i don't i don't yeah but uh that's the one place i want to fit really bad but i need to i need to set aside time to do so and i need to I don't have that motivating factor. That's the problem right now. I don't have that motivating you factor need, to get me into it. You need a project. That's what I need a project. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You should do a, a you know one of, one of your uh, walk around vlogs and go to a fab shop, a metal fab shop. Mm. Go call I, them cold and just go. Thing. I don't know what I, I need yet, but let me see what you got. Yeah, I totally could. Our art museum here has a uh, has a whole welding shop, and they actually teach classes there. And I wanted to go there and just talk to some of the art students at, at some point and just kind of absorb some of that. I don't know if we've talked about this or not, but I went to a college with a guy that works in that department mm-hmm. at that museum. So That's wild. if you're looking for a contact. <laughs> <laughs> I will hit you up after the show. Okay. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm kind of in the same place with, um, I'm getting more comfortable with welding, that end of it, but the machining, like the, the precision end of, of metalworking, I am, that's like another world to me. And I'm fascinated by it, and I would love to get into it. Um, but I think that's one of those things, like, I'm not going to go buy a South Bend just to figure out how to do it, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to have to find, like you mentioned a few weeks ago, Jimmy, find a body shop to just go sit in. I don't know, body shop's probably not the right place for mm-hmm. that. But, you know, find a place like that that has has the knowledge, has the tools, and just go stand behind them and watch. Um, or come up to New York and do the same in your shop and just, And, you know, you know I'm going to, I'm going to, my buddy Kevin, Kevin, he's going to freak out. I'm talking about him, Kevin. Uh, he's on uh, Instagram. And I know I'm never going to say his name right. Kevin Lazati, I think is how you say his name. Uh, Kevin is a fan of mine, becoming a friend. He's become a friend. His brother uh, and him both have visited my shop in New York. And he offered to come down to, from, he's in New Hampshire. He's going to come hang out with me in my shop in upstate New York and tune up my South Bend lathe and give me some lessons on getting, nice. getting my engineering. And he's, he's like 21 years old, but he went through proper training. And, you know, he's, he's got the DNA to make things perfect. He's got a great Instagram too. So go check out his Instagram of, some of his, he's got a small South Bend lathe, similar to the one I have, uh, the, my small one. And so he, we're, we're always trading. Uh, he's always showing me some of his accomplishments on the lathe. And, you know, they're, they're gorgeous. He's a, he's, a, he's a dialed in, well-trained machinist with a good flair. So he's going to, awesome. I'm going to learn from him. And he's, you know, less than half my age. So I'm looking hmm. forward to that. Maybe I need to make a trip up to New York, sit in on that <laughs> conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's Jimmy? Uh, you're obviously learning stuff this weekend. What's another place or another skill set that you don't fit that you would like to fit or know more about? You know, I mean, at the very basic, like there have been times in my life when I walked into other people's wood shops, and everybody has a different workflow. And I'm remembering while we're talking about this, I'm remembering the time when I walked into Nick Offerman's wood shop. I only visited Nick's shop one time last year, a year ago, this past May, so a year and six months ago. And I just walking around and watching the workflow there and the, you know, the people that are working in Nick's shop and what they're doing, I'm like, oh, wow, that's, that's how you do that? Wow, I'm gonna, I could do that. I can know how to do that. Why didn't I do that? You know, so just walking around in anybody else's woodshop. And, and there's been times where I walk into, not lately, but there's been times in my life where I walk into a production shop that makes, say, cabinets. And you see them doing the way they do laminate, the 
way they do this and the way they do that. I'm like, wow, that's, that's definitely something to be put in the bank. A couple of years ago, talking about 2008 and nine, when Nick and I, talking again about Nick, we shot the video about the, the Bear Mountain Boats canoe thing. There was, we worked, Nick had rented a shop, a space inside this big shop. So it was a big giant floor space. And, and there was maybe about, I think 12 or 10 stalls. And I say stall is like a 15 by 15 foot space, huge building. And the, the guy rented this giant space and then he sub rented each one of these spots to very, very skilled wood fabricators. And me just walking back and forth, I walked past these guys every day when, I, when Nick and I, and Nick's shop was at the end, so I'd get to walk past all these guys and then go to Nick's shop and do the canoe video and then walk. And then, you know, at lunchtime, we'd wander around and see what the other guys were doing. I learned so much. There's so many times in a day when I do something and I say, I remember the moment I saw it in that, in that collective. Like, I knew cabinet scrapers existed, but I never considered using them until I watched the guy using them in that collective. You know, I knew that there were shaper heads and shaper blades and, and, you know, the shaper heads that have multiple pieces on it. That's the first time I ever saw anybody using one of those was, was in that shop. And certain, certain table saw techniques, which I knew of, but I never really, you know, used them. For instance, a table saw sled. And I saw guys using the table saw sled in that environment. It's the first time I ever saw, with my own eyes outside of YouTube, somebody actually experienced using a table saw sled. I mean, that's such a common thing now, but... There were so many little nuances of wood shop that I learned just hanging around there. And you got guys 50 times more experienced than me building pieces that are, you know, thousands of dollars making tabletops and whatever and, you know, beautiful laminated drawers and stuff. So there's an experience that I could totally reference that when I walked away from not being involved, not being a hands-on guy, you know, every once in a while asking a question because these guys were so submersed in their work, they didn't want to be bothered. You know, they all had headphones on and they're all doing their own thing. But that was an environment that I learned a tremendous amount, just walking through that collective, that woodshop collective. And not saying one word, hardly at all. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Well, you guys got anything else on this, this topic, this thought process or anything? Let's talk about how to put yourself in these, in these environments a little bit more. Like, so a, a listener, how, Jimmy, what do they do to... What do they say to somebody when they approach their shop and say, hey, you don't know me, but can I hang out? That's it. I mean, you could totally say, I mean, I always tell students and girls, I'm like, you know what? You're a girl. Go to like a guy shop and just, you know, use your sex appeal to just go and hang out. And, you know, I'm not saying flirt, but guys are more interested in helping Taylor than they are in helping me. I show up there like, oh, who's this guy? You know, but for Taylor, they'll like powder coat a chair for free just because, you know, she's a cute young girl. But and, and the same thing works for students, whether you're a guy or a girl. Hey, I'm a student. I'm a student of what you do, and I want to know how to do it. And people are very happy to impart their wisdom. You know, mm. I don't want to. I don't, I'll sweep the floor just so I could be in the environment. Come on, mm-hmm. hang out. I mean, that's what's happening with Wanse, is my my Korean assistant. He wrote to me from Korea, hardly speaks any English, and said, "Hey, can I come hang out with you?" And 99 percent of the people I say yes to just don't show up anyway. So I say, "Yeah, come whenever you want." And you know, fast forward, he's now in my shop in the Lower East Side, and he and I are talking through a translator on our iPhones. To each other and he's <laughs> and he's learning he's learning more and more and uh he's been a great he's been great i mean not to mention you know he's he's enlightening me because he's super sweet and he has you know he's he's constantly teaching me korean and and i, I can't say one word right now because i'm drawing a blank but he's teaching me korean and he's teaching me about korean food and he's going to take me out to dinner next week and show me some korean food and hmm. you know so 
he, I'm enlightening him by just hanging around, him hanging around me, and vice versa. You know, so that these these things happen if you just put yourself in that environment. And, and so the point of my bigger conversation was just tell somebody you're a student of what they wanted of what they do, and you want to learn more about it. And people are more than happy to say, "Come hang out." Hmm. And I think there's also like um, a few instances where you can just go to some place that. I'm thinking specifically like to a shop class or an after school kind of tech thing um, and go with no experience, but just go and be available for use. So there's a school down the street from here that has a robotics team that meets after school. And it's a bunch of teenage, mostly dudes trying to figure out how to build robotics. And there's one teacher that teaches this whole thing and he's having to teach them about the mechanics about the programming, about the electronics, all that stuff together. And if you were to go to him and say, I don't know any of this stuff, but I'm a person (laughs) who can engage with kids, (laughs) can I help you? And he would say, absolutely, here's some stuff that you can do that's nonspecific to any of those skill sets, but just be involved. And while you're there involved, you're going to pick up all three of those things at least and probably figure out how to deal with teenagers better. You know, so I think just being a being available in a lot of just putting yourself in a place and being available for use by whatever's happening there can be pretty big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you, David. Uh, I was, I was just going to say something like Jimmy says, you know, if you're, whether you're female or you're a student or whatever, um, use that to your advantage. There's this other podcast that I listen to. I think Bob listens to as well as uh, Pat Flynn's smart passive income. And he always talks about what's your unfair advantage. And so we Hmm. all have this hidden skill, maybe not a hidden skill, but we all have this skill that we can bring to the table. Like maybe my unfair advantage to what I do is I come from a marketing agency and I'm able to apply those techniques to my YouTube channel. So if you're a student, you can use that advantage to getting into a shop, you know? Yeah. And and if you're not a student, like the three of us, we're just like, you know, middle-aged men, just say... I'm a student of what you do. I'm teaching myself how to do that. I mean, you're still mm-hmm. a student. Uh, you know, you could be an yeah. apprentice to anybody at any age. <clears throat> yeah, I think eagerness goes a long way in yeah. situations like that. Yeah. Just yeah. being eager to help or learn or whatever. Another thing um, that just came to mind is makerspaces. And I know that not everybody has access to one of these. And hopefully they are continuing to pop up around But I know the one that's here in Savannah, when you walk in, um, to your right, there's a room full of lathes where the the local turning club teaches stuff. There's a room for electronics. Um, And then to the left, there's a wood shop, which behind that, there's some metalworking tools that somebody uh, has rented some space there that they're doing. So my point is that there's all these segmented areas within the shop with really different skill sets happening, a lot of times at the same time. But... The cool thing about an environment like that with all those different people doing different things is that you can walk from one room where you know what you're doing to another room where you don't know what you're doing and say, like, can I watch you? Can I be involved? Can you teach me how to do something? And I guarantee you that every person that has walked into that building is eager to teach and eager to share, you know, even if it's just for five minutes, maybe not teach a class, but just to share some knowledge. So I think um, trying to find places like that. And, uh, you know, just be there, share what you know, and be open to what everybody else has to share. That can go pretty far, mm. I think. If you have a space like that, obviously, that's a big condition. <laughs> yep. And, and of course, needless to say, we all have YouTube. That's right. That's right. But nothing, nothing beats, you know, pressing the flesh and hanging out with somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So kind of along these same lines, um, unless you guys have anything else on that, uh, there was a, a tweet last week where we had some questions from people. One of them stuck out to me personally, and so I thought we'd maybe throw that around real quick. And we're probably going to have to wrap it up short because all the welders are going to come back and make <laughs> noise behind Jimmy. <clears throat> um, so somebody, and I can't remember who it was, so I apologize for not having your name on hand, but he said he was designing a makerspace for his five-year-old son. Aside from the basics, what core elements would you add? Mm-hmm. And so I have some thoughts here. And then, Jimmy, you've been working on the, the kindergarten thing mm-hmm. lately, so I thought maybe you would have some insight into that. Well, I mean, th- th- this is a, an obvious but silly thing. I just want to make sure there's no splinters anywhere. So I'm making yeah. sure that like all the plywood sanded over and painted because I'm using exposed birch, Baltic birch plywood. So I'm trying to just curtail any mistakes and problems with that. And then soft edges, of course, because we don't want anybody's eyebrow getting banged on a sharp edge and just making sure the tables are low enough. Now that's an obvious thing, but this particular room is going to be used by kindergartners up to 13 year olds. And so there was a pretty lengthy discussion about what height the table should be at. And we ended up coming up with the, all my tables are 25 inches high, which it's still, it's, it's high enough where a young, very young person could sit on a proper size stool. And then if somebody gets a little bit bigger, we actually went and got 14-year-olds to sit at the table, the sample table that I made. And we had very young kids sit at the table that I made. And so it seemed comfortable for both, for both ranges. And then we also had an idea that if, if one, some reason or another, we wanted the table higher, I was just going to build these boxes that go under each one of the legs. And those boxes would double as bricks or blocks to play with. But the kids could, we could raise the table up four inches if we needed to. So I don't think we have to. And then when I made that, I made one table, which is featured at the end of the video where I made the, the, the mobile teacher station. And then at the end of that video, I do a, a two shot and it's the children's work table. So we made that so that the young kids could stand at it. And the older kids could stand at the teacher's table. So we just had to accommodate a large age range, but just make sure that it's the proper height. And especially since you have young kids, they're going to grow fast. Bob, you could attest to that. You want to be mm-hmm. able to make it, you know, it's like getting a pair of jeans for a young kid. And then, you know, a year later, you got to add and add and add and add. So it's the same thing with this stuff. You don't want to make it too small where they'll outgrow it too fast. Yeah. Another easy way to make tables that can grow with them is to take, to double the leg up. So you have a normal leg and you drill holes in it like with a dowling jig or something. And then you have a separate piece with the matching holes and you run two bolts through. So then if you need to, you know, change the position of those two pieces to make the whole table taller, it's still strong and has the same footprint and stuff. Yep. Yep. Um, one of the things that I've thought about, because I've got uh, three, five, seven, and eight-year-olds, so they're they're close, but still a pretty wide range of, like, you know, uh, motor skills and and understanding of danger, things like that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hesitant to put, you know, hot things or sharp things in a place to where the oldest can get them, but also the youngest can get them. But I think one of the ways around that, obviously, I think the most important thing is teaching your kids what... The, the safety of stuff, you know, scissors are sharp and you have to know that scissors are sharp and you have to treat them, you know, with respect in that regard. But I think like, even if you want to give them a hot glue gun or, um, any kind of knives, any kind of sharp stuff, hot stuff, any spinny stuff in the eyes, you know, that's always dangerous. Yeah. Cause like, well, any, any of those type of tools, what I was going to say is you have a place for them. That's very specific. And so the, the kids can learn when they're done using this thing, even for a moment, it goes back to that place. And if it's in that place, then it can't burn anybody else or them. But if they just drop it down on the table next to where they are, 
they're very likely going to burn their hand or you know set their hand down on on some scissors. I do or that something. all the time with myself. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I think just having you know maybe like a backsplash on a table that's a little bit higher than the table surface, and that be the place where you put scissors. You put them in point first into that container, and that way the point is hidden and can't mess with anybody until you need to use it. Stuff like that, I think, is just kind of a general way to to kind of safeguard some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. That's it. What about actual tools? Like, what tools would you make available for a five-year-old? That's that's I, a hard one. I personally, if I, I don't have kids, so I I, uh, I have to think what I would want, and I would want to draw. And I I think I did reply to the tweet, and I said some sort of like web feed tear-off sheet easel. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm going to change my mm. answer. Instead of tearing it off, I would make something with a with a little crank. So you don't throw away the old drawings. You keep all the old drawings, but you just crank the crank, oh. and then uh, uh, you know new new paper shows up, and you will always have this whole roll of of memories from that time period. That's a that's a great idea. Do you mind if I steal that for a project video? Please do. <laughs> I might. I might seriously. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. I was cleaning the shop the other day on Snapchat, and I was throwing away. I just showed a quick montage of old sketches from work that I had in the last recent months and, and I threw them all in the garbage and some guy wrote me and said please please mail me those so I pulled them out of the garbage and I put them in an envelope and I mailed them to some guy in Europe hmm. <laughs> he should be getting That's them cool. any minute so I don't know what he's going to do with them <laughs> nice. just like you know me working out ideas and stuff Yeah, and that stuff's cool to always go back and look through I mean I've got um, so this little place right next to my desk where I have a bunch of field notes, notebooks, like brand new ones. And then next to them, I have a stack of all the notebooks that I've used in the past and I keep them and I don't look through them often, but occasionally it's fun to like open them up and just kind of flip through and see how, you know, I thought something may turn out one way and it looks totally different. I know um, Laura Kampf does that as well. She has in one of her videos, at least she has a whole shelf full of like big notebooks and she's kept all of them for years and years and years. That's, I have, I have a a bin upstate full of moleskins and, like small, like sketchbooks, you know, bound sketchbooks, a little black. I think they're like five by eight. I have a ton of those. I got 50 of them from when I started SVA until, you know, recently. And now I, now I make my own notebooks. So I got a pile of those ones and I keep them. I keep everything. But these notes that I'm talking about, I'm all like, all right, let me see how much yield I can get out of these five sheets of plywood. So I do like a quick sketch of like the thing I got to build and I'm like counting the walls and the sides and the dimensions. So that's what a lot of these shop sketches are. It's just me like thinking out loud. I already know what I want. It's just me, like, doing the details. What I love about the old notebooks and journals is uh, if, you go, if you look at a, one that's a couple years old, you may not remember writing that idea down, but you can use it as your own Pinterest, your own personal Pinterest board because you're mm. like, whoa, that's a brilliant idea. Why didn't I execute that? You probably didn't execute it because you didn't have that, maybe that uh, the finalized thought or the the thing that made it different. But now, two years later, your new self can bring <laughs> your new knowledge to the table and make that, that thing real. Yeah. Now that you have a YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. Now that I have a YouTube channel, I should go through all my old journals. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, you guys want to move on and talk about what we're watching? Watch anything cool? Sure. Uh, so there's this channel... And I don't think we talked about it. If we did, I'm still picking it. And uh, Bob, I know you are subscribed to Jack Conte Extras. Mm-hmm. Have we talked about this before? I don't think so. It is phenomenal. So Jack Conte is the uh, he created Patreon, 
And this is his own like little little vlogs, little motivational three minute videos, and they are fantastic. Every time I watch one of the one of his new videos, I'm like, I'm gonna go tackle the world. So check out <laughs> Jack Conte extras. Well, yeah, it's some good stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna dedicate this space to Jody from Welding Tips and Tricks. I probably talked about him in the past, but in the context of me getting to hang out with him for these couple of days, he's uh, not only is he an amazingly skilled knowledgeable welder he just happens to be a nice guy so check out jody welding tips and tricks if if you haven't heard of him until now cool yeah it's it's good stuff as well i've learned a lot i haven't watched as many of his as i should but every time i watch them i'm like oh man i really need to watch more of these Mm -hmm. and then when i see a new one come up i go oh i gotta remember that that's there next time i learn need to learn x you know (laughs) but i never get to it um, have we talked about SV Seeker before? Yeah, you mentioned oh, him yeah. early, early, early on. But his okay. channel, well, his channel wanna, keeps growing. I want to say it again, because I don't think people really understand how <laughs> insane and incredible this channel is. So this guy, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, um, is building a ship, a steel <laughs> boat <laughs> in his yard by himself. And he, well, not by himself, but he's, he's re- building this thing. And he has people, anybody can sign up for time, come stay at a little guest house on his property, and he puts them to work on yeah. the ship for however long they want to be there. And just like, you know, they do one job or a hundred jobs and whatever, and they don't have to have any certifications or anything like that. He's just kind of making it up as he goes along, and it's crazy. I mean, it's a big deal. It's not just like a little two-person boat. This is like a ship. Yeah. <laughs> so Who builds a ship? That's I don't know, like- this guy. And I, I have honestly toyed with the idea of like, going out there and spending some time. Um, I'd like to, I don't know if I'll ever be able to pull it off, but that would be really cool. Um, so it's S S V seeker. That'd make for a great one day doc. It would, or several day doc or several. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be building my canoe starting soon. Out of steel, steel canoe. That's actually a great <laughs> idea. Can I <laughs> steel, steel that? strips? Can I steal that? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it is a good idea. <laughs> Aluminum. <laughs> Aluminum. Yeah. yeah. Steel would be funny. You'd get about five seconds, and then it would be at the bottom of the river. Only if you capsize. You know, of course, steamships and cargo ships, they're all steel. It's all a matter of the displacement. Well, that's true, yeah. It's, yeah, surface area. Which is, you know, something I've known nothing about. You could make just a giant canoe that's, like, probably ten times larger in scale than what it should be out of steel, and it would probably float just fine. Mm-hmm. I'm sure somebody out there has done this, and they will probably say, no, it works fine. Steel, steel canoe. <laughs> Steel canoe. Googling it right now. <laughs> cool. Well, um, we actually did all right with the sound. There's no welding going on. They're probably episode. all standing around there cursing me in the other room. So I I'm waiting it. for us to sound. <laughs> cool. Well, before we go, I want to thank our Patreon supporters. Um, everybody that supports us there, we, it's it's awesome. Especially uh, Make, Build, Modify, John Cornwell, and Luis Gonzalez. They're our top contributors. Thank you, guys. And we're very grateful. So if you guys want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash making it. Uh, we've also got some t-shirts for sale on our homepage of our website, makingitpodcast.com. And I think that's it for this week. All right. That's it. I, don't know. I want to say I love you both for putting up with me this week. <laughs> we love you too, Jim. I really screwed things up, so I'm sorry. We made it happen. Yep. It worked. Right on. Cool, everybody. Thank we'll, you. We'll uh, see you next week. Later on. Bye. Bye.